You know, we live in a world or in a society that we value comfort. And our comfort was rocked this morning when we heard about the terrorists attacked in Belgium. Well, we think we're safe. And it's really interesting that one of our um, uh, people here, members of this church, is uh, on the board of Whittier Christian High School. And what they did is they sent a group of high schoolers to Africa. And they had to change planes in Brussels. They landed two minutes after the bomb exploded. You know, God was with them. But what else happened to all of those 30-plus people who passed away and countless more that was injured? But even though they faced terrorism and they didn't know if there were going to be more bombings, you know, this group of high schoolers, high school Christians were undeterred. And they went on to Africa where they were going to serve, help um, children refugees who suffered with the Ebola virus. Now, they weren't just going over to help feed children. They were helping kids who were suffering from the Ebola virus. I don't know if you saw the movie Outbreak, you know, with Dustin Hoffman, but that was the virus that they were talking about. And so when we think about things like this, and we think about, you know, the San Bernardino shootings, we think about, you know, this is supposed to be a comfortable place. This is America. We're supposed to be this Christian nation. God, where are you? Have you ever felt like that in your life? You know, where you thought things would go better in your life, and things aren't going as well as you thought. And you're saying, you know, where's God? God, you were supposed to set up your kingdom, and this is what this whole series is about. If you were supposed to set up your kingdom, why are things so messed up? But you know what? This is what the disciples thought after Christ was crucified. He was the Messiah. He was the one that was supposed to save them and the uh, nation of Israel. He wasn't supposed to die. But what a difference a day makes. And that Jesus was resurrected. And yet some of us are living in what I call that post-crucifixion, pre-resurrection days. Where we're wondering, God, you know, I thought if I followed you, things were going to be better. What's going on? Did you abandon me? But today we're going to learn that the resurrection, you know, gives us hope. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that even though there's horrible things that are going on in this world that you will triumph and that your resurrection gives us hope. And Father, I know there are people here this morning that are going through some really difficult times right now where they're crying out to you and they wonder where you are. Do you even care about them? And I pray, Father, that you would let them know that you are there and that you are victorious. And Father, that one day they would be too. And that you never promised to take away our pain and suffering, but you promised to be there with us in the midst of that, and you will use us to help others who go through the same thing. So may you use my words this morning to be a beacon of comfort and hope. In your son's name we pray. Amen. But this is what the Jewish nation thought too when they saw Jesus died. Because when the Jews, or when the Israelites viewed history, they pretty much viewed history into... Um, they broke it down into two epic eras. 
And the first era, what they called, was the old age. And in this old age, um, the world, or their world, was characterized by sin, death, evil, and hardships. And the nation of Israel was no stranger to all of these things. But they thought, okay, this is the age of the old age, where these things are supposed to happen. But then also, they believed in what they called an age to come. And in this age to come, it was characterized by God's reign, eternal reign. It was characterized by peace, love, joy, and hope. And they believed that Jesus, or the Messiah, was supposed to come and usher in this eternal age of peace, love, joy, and hope. And when Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, this is what they thought would happen. But what is this new age that they were talking about? And the Bible talks about heaven and what it's supposed to be. But I'm just going to share a few passages to give you a glimpse of what they thought this new age, or the age, not new age, the age to come, was supposed to be. And it says here in Isaiah 65, and we're going to read 17 through 19. And this is what the prophet writes about the future, about the age to come. See, I will create new heavens and new earth. The formal things, which is the old age, all this pain and suffering and sorrow and injustice, will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. And I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Doesn't that, that sounds great that if you look in the book of Revelation, that uh, John talks about the new Jerusalem. John talks about what heaven's supposed to be like. But we get a glimpse of it where they said there will be no more weeping and no more pain and no more crying. And this was the age to come. And this is what they thought that Jesus was supposed to come and do. They didn't realize that Jesus came to usher in this age to come, but it wasn't going to be completed until he returned again, which he hasn't done yet. They thought Jesus would establish a political role when Jesus came to establish a spiritual role. They expected that Jesus would come by changing the world, by creating a whole new world. But Jesus came to change the world through the actions of those who believe him. And this is why Jesus talked so much about the kingdom. He talked about, he gave us a picture of what it's like. But he also gave us a picture of how we're supposed to act. Because we who follow Jesus, we are the ones that were supposed to be the change agents until he comes. And then the way we lived was a message to the unbelieving world that this is what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. But you know what? The disciple also believed in this Jewish um, um, belief of the new age to come. Because in the Old Testament, there is very, there, there's no mention really about the Messiah being resurrected. The Messiah wasn't supposed to be resurrected. The Messiah wasn't supposed to die, you know, in their mind. And so they had the view that Jesus was this Messiah. That's why when he was taken away in the Garden of Gethsemane and arrested, they all scattered. They were afraid. They ran away because they're going, whoa, this is the Messiah. He's not supposed to be resurrected. And this is when Jesus was on trial. Peter denied Christ three times. 
Because I don't, you know, maybe Jesus isn't the Messiah. And if he's not, I do not want to be punished because I believed in somebody who gave us false hope. You know, all the disciples were not there at the crucifixion except for one John because they were afraid. And even when Jesus was resurrected, the disciples were hiding and locked away in the room because they were afraid the religious leaders, if they could do this to Jesus, who they believed was the Son of God, what would they do to them? And so there was fear. And the Messiah wasn't supposed to die. He was supposed to restore the kingdom. You know, they left everything. They left their careers and everything to follow them. And on that crucifixion, all of their hopes and dreams were scattered and dashed. And they were wondering, were any of the promises he made true? Or was he, you know, a liar? But sometimes don't we fall into that? Will we believe that, you know, God or Jesus was supposed to come and make our lives a whole lot better? And then when things don't, when things go wrong, we cry out to God and say, God, what's going on here? What's going on in my life? You are supposed to make my life more comfortable. You are supposed to bless me. You know, if I followed you and did what you say, you know, wasn't I supposed to score points with you? And sometimes we fall into that trap. And then when things go wrong for us, when life doesn't go the way we want it, when our Messiah or our Savior doesn't act like the Savior that we want him to be, we start questioning him. We start questioning our our faith. And I know all of us, all of us have been there too. But, you know, for those of you who um, are historians, you know, for me, I always like watching the History Channel. And they always have things about you know, like the wars and what happened. But one of the turning points in World War II was D-Day. And on D-Day, you could see the picture right here. And this is when the Allies stormed the um, beaches of Normandy, France. And they landed with huge amounts of men, weaponry, and supplies. And this was going to allow them to make a push into the heart of Germany in order to defeat them in World War II. And this day was one of those turning points where it marked the beginning of the end for Hitler, right? But even though D-Day signified the end of the war, the war in Europe would wage for for another year. And many bloody battles would be fought before the war in Europe was ended. And after the resurrection the disciples understood this, that yes, Jesus ushered in the age to come, which I read in Isaiah, but it wasn't going to come into fulfillment until he came back a second time. And during that time, we knew that this signified the, the crucifixion and the resurrection signified the end of Satan's reign here on earth, right? That he was defeated on the cross. However, Battles are still going to be, had to be fought. You know, our blood is going to have to be spilled, even just to gain one foot or inches. And some of us might be feeling that right now. We'll say, God, you know, I'm going through all of these trials right now, and it seems like I'm only gaining inches. Well, in World War II, that happened too, where they were always trying to break through to beat the enemy. But sometimes they would fight and men would die just for a few feet. And some of us might be feeling that way this morning. That you know what? I'm going at it, but you know, and I'm just gaining 
a little here, a little there. God, when am I going to break through whatever I'm experiencing right now in order to have victory? But you know what? Victory is coming. Victory is coming when Christ comes back to restore his kingdom. But until then, battles are going to have to be fought. And then we, who are believers in Christ, have to fight those battles. We're the ones who have to help those who are less fortunate. We have to, we're the ones that are supposed to stand up and help the homeless and the poor. And this is why we do family promise. Not so we could pat ourselves on the back. No, because Jesus wants us to care about the poor. Jesus wants us to care about the homeless because we have so much. Each one of us, we are in the top 1% of this world's wealth, right? And I know a lot of you don't think of that. You look around your surroundings and go, man, I don't have much. But compared to the rest of this world, we're all in the top 1%, right? And God wants us to use those resources to help the other people that are less fortunate. But the resurrection gives us hope. That yes, we're going to have to fight these battles, but one day there's going to be victory. And the first thing that I want to share with you is that resurrection assured that we will be resurrected in the future. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die. And so pretty much what he means by that is when Adam um, sinned and disobeyed God, um, death entered in this world. That wasn't part of a, God's original plan. But when Adam sinned, you know, physical death entered into this world. And that's something that's going to happen to each one of us. And that's a day that none of us, none of us can escape. But he said, so in Christ all will be made alive. Now he's not talking about physically here. Because we all know that we're all going to face that day where one day we're going to no longer exist on this earth. But he said, spiritually, spiritually our soul, he says, Jesus made that alive. He uh, will make that alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then, he, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So what he was saying is Christ was the first one to be resurrected. Okay? But then what he says as first fruits, and then he, what he's saying is the first fruits were pretty much a preview of the harvest, which is us, and that we too will be resurrected. And so we will not have to you know, be afraid of death, even though that's something that's going to happen to each one of us. Because according to the Bible, it says, we who trust in Jesus will live forever. You know, and, and when I was a child growing up, that was something that really just terrified me, was death. Well, I didn't know what happened you know, after we died. And so I remember my mom, who was, you know, Buddhist, really didn't know either. And so she goes, well, if I'm going to answer my questions when I was like a five-year-old, and I don't know why I was so obsessed with death as a five-year-old, you know, she had to start going to church to learn about what happens after um, you die. But then after she, you know, found out that, you know, those who believe in Christ will live forever, she converted and then she was able to teach me. But the first thing we know is that Christ's resurrection assures that we who believe in him will also be resurrected. The second thing is Christ's resurrection gives us a picture of our future. Also in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty nine, um, the Apostle Paul writes, And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, which is us in our flesh, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, 
which is um, our spirit. Now, what, what, what do we know about that? Well, when Christ came after he was resurrected, he wasn't some disembodied spirit that was floating around. He came and he had bodily form, right? The disciples recognized him. They saw the whole nail in his hand, and he said, touch them. And so Jesus came back as a bodily form. So this was his resurrected body. It wasn't the same that it wasn't subject to pain or anything like that. And you know what the coolest thing is? When Jesus talked to his disciples, what did he say? Do you have something to eat? Now that, for some of you, may not excite you. But for somebody like me who loves to eat, you know, I, I was thrilled by that. So I said, wow, my resurrected body? Okay, it's not going to be, it's suffered from high cholesterol or, or anything like that, diabetes or anything like that. And I could eat anything I want. You know, and that's cool. That excites me. I know maybe some of you feel like, hey, your new resurrected body is going to be strong and you could run as fast as you can. Well, good. I'm glad that excites you. But for me, the part that excites me is number one, I'll get to eat and I'll eat all I want and I'm never going to get sick. But you know what? What he says is, you know, we believe as Christians that we will have a body that looks like this, that we would be able to recognize this. Now, Jesus came back, and people were able to recognize him. Now, when we come back, I just pray, Lord, I hope that my body will be when I look like when I was 18, right? I don't want to look like a chubby, bald man in heaven. That's not what I want. However, you know, in heaven, hey, we're all going to look good. And so when you see me, you're going to say, Dave, is that you or Brad Pitt? You know, I, I mistake you for Brad Pitt, you know. But in heaven, it really doesn't matter what I look like, but we will have a body that will be able to do amazing things and experience a lot of different things that we can't even imagine. We're not going to be some sort of collective force like in Star Wars. You know, the Bible says we'll, be, we'll retain our individuality and have a Bible. And I know I've told this story for to you before, but for some of you who are new, you haven't heard this story. And this is what troubled my mother-in-law. Because one day my mother-in-law, you know, we were having a talk, and she said, you know what, Dave, I, I never get to go shopping anymore. No, I don't go shopping. You know, in son-in-law code, that means, can you take me shopping? Right? So, of course, I picked that up, and I said, okay, Mom, let me take you shopping. Okay, so we went shopping, but on the road, she just shared something that completely threw me off. She said, I'm afraid. And I asked my uh, mother-in-law, what are you afraid of? She said, well, I'm afraid of getting old and dying. And I asked her, well, why are you afraid of getting old or dying? And she goes, well, I don't know what's going to happen. But I said, well, you have a faith. What does your faith tell you? And she goes, I really don't know. Because in the religion that she believed, um, they believed that once you die, that's it. It's kind of like a circle of life type of thing where you live, you do your best, and then you pass on whatever lessons you learn to the next generation. But after you, you're it, that's it. After you die, that's it. And that frightened her. And so I told her, well, you know, this is what I believe. You know, I believe that, you know, it's kind of like what Marco said. You know, I believe that, you know, Jesus, 
you know, came on this, God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. That if you believe in him, you'll not perish, but have eternal life. And that there is a place called heaven out there. That's a real place. And finally, after talking with her, you know, she converted to Christianity. Because the whole um, aspect of when you die and there's nothing after that, and even then maybe you, and I've read some of the literature in the uh, place where she worshipped. And that, you know, what they believe is true. What she was telling me is true. But that just didn't settle with her. And so I was able to talk to her and baptize her. And I said, Mom, you know, you're going to be in heaven when you die. You don't have to fear death anymore. And that's what the resurrection gave her was hope. You know, same thing with my father-in-law. And praise God, I was able to, you know, baptize him too. But that one day, we're going to get a body that's immortal, that's strong, that's free from pain and suffering. And we're going to live with God forever. We're not going to be this disembodied spirit. We believe that you're not going to be part of a force or Awa, you know, for some of you who saw Avatar, you know. (laughs) But we're going to be individuals. And there are things, exciting things that God has in store for us. And if you could imagine heaven, you got it wrong. Because you can't even imagine how great heaven's going to be. It is, amen to that, right? It is beyond our wildest imagination. So we don't have to fear death. Because once we die... We're going to go to this wonderful place. We're going to go to this wonderful place. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected. And God is going to use that same power that he resurrected Jesus. And he's going to resurrect us also. Finally, the Bible gives us hope that one day our victory will be complete. Now, this is one of the verses that talk about Jesus' second coming. It hasn't happened yet, but we believe that one day... Jesus is going to come back again. And 1 Thessalonians four sixteen to 17, this is what Apostle Paul writes. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Christ is going to come back victoriously. And the trumpets are going to be sound and All of those who have died in Christ, they're going to be resurrected. And it says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will be with the Lord forever. And to me, that gives so much hope that death is not going to have victory over me. Do do I get anxious about death? Yeah, I do. I mean, I get anxious about how I'm going to die. I mean, I don't want to die with a whole lot of suffering, <laughs> you know. Or, you know, when, come, when truth, you know, to be honest with you, I, I've never died before, so I don't know the, the process of what's going to actually happen, you know. So I'm kind of nervous about what that's going to be like. But one thing I'm not nervous about is what's going to happen afterwards. That one day, I'm going to be in this awesome, awesome place. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And he paid my penalty. And I accepted that gift of salvation. But you know, we're going to live with Christ forever. And what I just read, that's victory. 
That's victory day. But battles are still going to have to be fought. And life can be tough, especially for those of us who are believers. God never promised an easy life. But you know what those um, disciples, the disciples, the ones that were cowering in fear because Jesus was crucified, they went on to be the champions of the gospel message. And all of them except for one were martyred or were killed. Before the resurrection, they were even afraid to be identified with Jesus. But after the resurrection, after they saw Jesus, they became the most courageous men this world have ever seen. And instead of cowering, they were willing to give up their life for their cause. Well, what happened? They saw the resurrected Jesus. And his words were true. Because when you take a look at the Bible, and you take a look at what Jesus said, you have to believe that everything Jesus said was true. Because he was resurrected. That validates everything that he said. You know, but if he never was resurrected, then it really doesn't matter what Jesus said, right? But he was resurrected. And so once again, Paul says, you know, the present sufferings that you and I go through. And there's a, there, those are real, and I'm not trying to minimize your suffering because we go through some pretty difficult things. I don't, it doesn't matter what stage of life you are. You know, middle school, high school, college student, young adult, you know, parent, you know, retiree, golden senior. We all go through difficult things in life. But you know what Paul says? He goes, I can't, you know, I can't even, comp- the sufferings that we go through in Romans 8, he was telling us, can't even be compared to the glory that we're going to once experience. The Christian life is not easy. It's hard. Because it's going to cause you to change your life. It's going to cause you to change some of the decisions you make. It's going to cause you to change your priorities that you had in your life in order to follow Jesus Christ. And yes, it's going to be hard. But it is going to be so worth it if you give him a chance. Let's pray. You know, there might be some of you here right now who are, you know, thinking about death and you're thinking about what happens, you know, after you, you know, pass away. And ultimately what happens and where we go is, you know, left up to God. But he has told us in Scripture how we could have assurance that we're going to, that we could be with him forever. And this is by believing in his son, Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, if you're ready to accept him and believe in him, even though it's going to cause you to change your priorities and change some of the decisions. And it's not going to make your life easier. And in many ways, it's going to make your life more complex and harder. But if you think it's worth it, if you think that one day you want to, be, you want to know that you're going to be resurrected and that you are going to be with God forever and ever in this place you can't even imagine. I just want you to pray with me right now. Uh, dear God, I know that 
up to now I've lived my life based upon what I want to do. And I've made mistakes. And I believe, Father, that, you know, I'm a sinner. But, Father, I also have come to believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for all of the mistakes that I, will, that I ever made in my life or will ever make and that you paid my debt for me. And, Father, I accept and I believe in your son, Jesus, as my Savior and Lord. And I commit to changing my life. I want to follow you. And I'm ready to change my priorities. And I'm ready to change the decisions I make in order that I might follow you. I know that my life will not get easier. I know that there will be battles that need to be fought. But I want to be part of changing this world for you. I accept you into my heart. And I ask that you would be Lord of my life. And I submit all of who I am to you. Amen.